This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver. There are more than 9,000 people experiencing homelessness in the metro area right now, according to the new point-in-time count. And that's 32% more than last year. And controversy this week surrounded our new mayor, Mike Johnston's first moves to tackle homelessness. Will the sweeps continue or not? Plus, the latest fail from Suncor, and finally, some praise for Denver Parks and Rec. I'm looking back on This Week in the Mile High with producer Paul Caroli and a returning special guest. Oh, and a content warning. There's some raunchy words in this episode, so please be advised. Today is Friday, July 28th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city where your home is worth whatever the hell you say it is. That's right. A record number of people contested their property value assessments, according to the Denver Post. Paul wrote this for me, and I have to say, <laughs> Paul, I thought this was going to be about the fact that a house on my on my quaint little block I grew up on, on Honey Way, is um, on the market for a million dollars. Oh, my wow. God. A million, million dollars to live in your neighborhood, Paul. Your tracked homes from the 50s are worth... One million dollars. It's it's insanity. Um, I was going to ask you if you cared about property values, but obviously you do. This is one of your things. I this isn't. I mean, yeah. I guess I'm more mad about somebody trying to take my old neighbor's the Gatos house, turn it into the blandest thing you possibly could have ever <laughs> seen, sell it as mid-century modern, and they didn't even put like a pool with a waterfall in it. So what are you asking a million dollars for to live in Virginia Village? <sighs> yeah. Um, as a resident of the neighborhood today. It's so different now, I think. It's so many, it's different people. It's such a weird connection we have through this place. I know, you live in a different world, but in my same neighborhood. And I was just, I lamented on Twitter, this is the same block my parents parked our cars on the lawn in. <laughs> oh my God. We had like some weeds in our front yard and the neighbors were, call? I, I wonder if it was the very same neighbors. It probably the very was. Very same people. Well, we're going to actually talk about the property tax issue later on yes. with a real expert. I'm so keen on I'm so interested. I think there's something really big and complicated happening and you have some people need to know this better. You have some conspiracy theories about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll save that. We'll <laughs> save that. Conspiracy theories. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's Friday. We're in the 5280 Magazine Studios in beautiful downtown Denver. Uh, we have a great guest today, one of our favorites. Uh, he's the managing director of Creative Nations, stand-up comedian, co-chair of the Denver American Indian Commission, Joshua Emerson. Oh, hello. How you doing, Bree? Good morning. Good morning, hey, Josh. I've been it, y'all. That means good morning to Navajo. So just throw a little bit of indigenous love out to everybody listening. Uh, Bree, how's it feel to know exactly how much your childhood is worth? <laughs> <laughs> just to have a number. <laughs> Oh man, that's deep, actually. Damn. It's so bizarre. Oh, I come deep. <laughs> it's so bizarre. I mean, to me, it just proves my point that is, like you said in the copy you wrote, Paul, <laughs> land's worth whatever you want it to be, right? Even yeah. selling land is a ridiculous well, proposition. Who owns it? What is land Why do we worth? own it? 
Yeah, supply and demand, they work in opposite ways. You know what I mean? Uh, value is what everybody agrees it is. And uh, it's, uh, why are we talking about economics right now? I know. I know it's Honestly, Friday I'm, morning. I'm excited to be here. I know you have a background <laughs> in economics. I kind of been oh, waiting yeah, to, to right. get into it with you. But maybe that's another show too. Okay. We do have some important business. We now do. Now that we've introduced you, there's something we have to... We have to talk about, which is Denver is a very yeah. small town. So yeah. I'm sure at the top of the show, you heard an ad for the Denver Art Museum's Untitled series, um, which Joshua is one of the main artists in. And That's we just right. wanted to acknowledge that. <laughs> Whoops. Because yeah. <laughs> we didn't know. You know what I mean? We did, These things are separate. I, I want to make that clear. We don't make the decisions on who is our advertiser. It's awesome that they're an advertiser, but we never know with our guests, blah, blah, blah. So just so you know, we realize how this sounds. But while we're here with you, Joshua, tell us about Untitled. What is happening tonight? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's me and Drew Austin. We're the featured artists and we're responding to Desert Rider, which is a fantastic exhibition. Recommend everybody to go check out Desert Rider. Really dope. Uh, and then our night is it's, it's a lot of fun. It's one night only. We got art, comedy, opera, drag. Uh, the misdemeanors are going to be in the house doing a little bit of a drag show. Buffalo Barbie is going to be doing some tours. Uh, I looked up Buffalo Barbie after we talked about this. Yeah. yeah. That's wonderful be cool. person. That's I cool. don't know what that is, but I love Barbie and I love this exhibition. So I'm so indigenous sense. drag queen. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. Amazing. Just, I just say that phrase. I feel like, uh, yeah, it's a, a lot of clusters going off right now. It's you interesting. Know? Yeah. It's and, interesting. And then I, I'm just going to say this, uh, Jan squared, I guarantee is going to be a hit that night. So, uh, if I, I'm not going to say any more about what Jan squared is. I'm just saying you want to check it out and see what Michael Isaacs is up to. It's going to be fun. Takabe is going to be there. Uh, uh, good so good food. Good food, good friends, a lot of comedy, a lot of laughs. Just come out. Let's have a good time. Uh, uh, Untitled at the Denver Art Museum's After Hours, 6 to 10 p.m., Opera on the Roof. Uh, we're going to burst a pinata full of condoms and candy. There's not <laughs> a lot of better things you could do on a Friday night. Okay. Uh, okay, that's the perfect pitch. That was okay, great. Okay, good. I'm glad. Thank you. So you're going to be doing comedy in the exhibit desert rider which yes. I met Bree and I have both now been to by yeah. the way. I cried I loved it also it was one of the most incredible exhibitions I've ever seen yeah and then now I'm going to talk about ass eating in it so okay. I can't wait absolutely okay. right are, are, <laughs> this is art baby okay we're going high we're going low <laughs> oh goodness do you do do you do crowd work when you perform do you of ever course. like course I can see you being excellent at it are you do you have are you planning to like respond to the exhibit or like the people in there and like yeah, art? yeah. So how's I'll it going to work? Yeah, I'll just sort of back up how this sort of happened. Why they even you know selected a jabroni like me to be one of their featured artists is that the homie Daniel Seawalker, she was one of the featured artists last year and brought me on as one of the auxiliary artists. And I did comedy in the Indigenous uh, Art Gallery um, next to. Have uh, you ever been to the Denver Art Museum? There's this large uh, storyteller woman, um, beautiful piece, and I did comedy right in front of her. It felt powerful you know to be storytelling in front of the storyteller and uh and so we had a lot of fun with it and so i people found out that there's a lot of uh, uh having performance art in a high art space there's the juxtaposition everybody can feel it and it's exciting because you sort of get to have a one-of-a-kind experience that's the thing about live performance is that it's different every time even if you're telling the same jokes doing the same songs it's always going to be different and you get to have all live this temporary moment together and enjoying that joy and and I, I love that it's my favorite thing okay we'll have more information about that in our show notes if you want to check out untitled tonight
night at the Denver Art Museum. Let's get to our top story, though. Mm -hmm. We're talking about homelessness. Um, Definitely a defining issue of the mayoral election. I would say it's a defining issue of the last decade here in Denver. The top issue. Absolutely. The top issue. And I mean, so Mayor Mike Johnston campaigned on big promises around uh, not solve. Well, I don't know. Did he say he was going to solve I think he said he was going to end it. He was, he was going to end homelessness in his, in his first, first term, term was his phrase. It's a big that's, talk. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, and so to begin. Maybe that's why you won. Yeah. Well, because again. But now it's time to pay the bill. which we're going to get to. So uh, the cost of it for sure. But um, the first thing he did really was uh, this declaration last week of homelessness being a state of emergency, which is like an official designation that can determine where resources go, what attention is paid to this issue. And um, I think we need to start with the camping ban because there was this moment on Tuesday afternoon, my Twitter went nuts because CBS had this headline saying Johnson was going to stop any sweeps. Uh, but we learned with some deeper reporting that that was not actually the plan. Paul, what happened? Was this did you was this on your radar at all, Joshua? Because I'll, I'll, I can oh, explain absolutely. like the news part, but I, does this like did you hear it? That this was happening, there was this confusion. So I saw it on the Reddit, uh, the, on the Denver subreddit, yeah. uh, when the article came out in there. Uh, one, I saw the initial reaction. Everybody People freaked out. Got yeah, yeah, a lot of anger that that they that he would do this, and then there was immediately a response saying that that wasn't what the article said, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was bad article, bad journalism, but confusing. I think the Johnson administration is still figuring out who's responsible for what, like messaging consistently. Yeah, that seems like the main issue with that couple hour period on Tuesday before his town hall. Where we thought, Where I thought, genuinely oh, thought he's just ending the he's sweeps. Ending it. Right. I mean, f- for someone like me who was an advocate for ending the sweeps, amazing. But I can see like you're saying, Joshua, a lot of people were not stoked about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the sweeps, I, I, it hurts me, the sweeps. I, I yeah. think it's, it's shown to be ineffective ever since the sweeps have been in place. And it hasn't had any positive impact on the amount of people experiencing homelessness in Denver. In fact, uh, it, it's continued to rise even though the sweeps have been put in place. So it's, it's ineffective. It just sort of moves the problem around Denver. I think what it affects most is the perception of, of how you, uh, that it's not out of sight, out of mind that if they're moved out of there. But, uh, and I think what actually troubles me most is that some people sort of enjoy the punitive side of it, that there's like a sense of justice to sort of, you, there's the antisocial behavior that sometimes comes with these these encampments that, that they should be punished and, and moved out of the way. And, and that hurts me the most. I'm glad you brought that up too, because I think punishment, watching someone be punished by continuing to be unhoused is a weird flex for a housed person to be like, yeah, you, that's what you get. Right. You right. know? And if you ever been to, to one of these sweeps, it's traumatizing. It's really traumatizing. From when they put up the, uh, the fences to when they throw everything into a trash compactor, everything that they own, yeah. it, it, it really just sort of strips the humanity, uh, out of the whole thing. And I think, I think it's an affront to human dignity. And when one citizen has their human dignity affronted, all citizens have it. And, and so that's the that's 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 why I, I it's been the hardest thing to sort of try to find common ground with the other side with this sweeps. Well, well I, ha- I have to say I, I'm ever the optimist, I think, on this show. And I feel that way again here. I think 
that's the minority. I think that's a small minority of people. Mm. And I think that's what the election showed us about Denver. And we need to start moving forward as if this like the the majority are people like us who think of the humanity first and don't want to dehumanize and build barriers. Because that's, to me, what Mike Johnston brought that was different from the Hancock administration was that sense of empathy that that it's people, people going through hard times that need a little help. And it would be better for all of us if everybody had a better shake. Yeah, but I feel like it was a little bit confusing with this pushback from the Johnston administration saying, actually, no, we, we didn't say we were going to stop the sweeps. We will continue them for if they are a health or safety hazard, if they are in the public right of way, or if they are on someone's private property. And how is that different from Hancock's it's, here, here's. I think it is different, but it's also confusing because, again, I think he's got. He's still figuring out how all of these people he's just hired, all these hundreds of people, are going to work together. But he says that that it's for health and safety reasons that'll continue the sweeps. But he also says the reason why it's different, and I'm quoting from Westward, the reason why it's different is the old camping ban enforcement was people living on the block. You don't want them living there, so you force them to move. Johnson had explained at his press conference earlier that day, this is Tuesday, the difference here is we are waiting to bring housing units on when housing units are available. Then we come onto encampments and we now have housing units to move you to. So he's saying both it's for health and safety reasons, when there are pressing health and safety reasons, which there sometimes are, and he's saying, we're not going to do it until there's housing. How do those two things fit together? I mean, I, I I think Hancock would tell you, I what did he tell us when we interviewed him? I think he said he, he had the most housing built in a, yeah. of any mayor. So... I, I I admire this approach from Johnston, but I, I don't want I don't know what the reality is. What is the cost? We've talked about this cost, where um, where to put them? Yeah. Because we know a lot of neighborhoods don't like safe outdoor spaces. Sure don't. Which is we'll talk about that. <laughs> a tra which is a transitional part. I think most folks living in those would like more secure permanent housing for sure. Um, but it, I don't know. I it, is it a pipe dream? What's how do we do this? Yeah, I think that's what people want. They want the specifics of Johnson's plan. They want to know the timeline. They want to know they want to see actual progress, like what actual projects are being worked on. They want to know how much it's going to cost. Uh, and they do just want to see more more than words. Uh, and Johnson sort of put himself in this position to. Uh, he staked his reputation on yeah. on this, and this and he said in, in, in the first term we're going to do it in this first year, and it's an opportunity to sort of cement his legacy as one of the most progressive mayors in Denver, or to lose all credibility right out the get go. And it's high stakes politic, and, and yeah, good on you, but you got to follow through now. You know, that's uh, a good point. I want to. Oh, go ahead. Well, specifically, he he is already not following through on one thing. And I hate to point this out because I believe in this guy and I want the best for him because I think we all succeed if he succeeds. But he told us when we sat down, not across this table, but a different table. <laughs> but in person. But in person. He yes. said, I won't do anything without telling you how I'm going to pay for it. Oh. And that has already happened with this plan. He says he's going to house a thousand people before the end of the year. He says he's going to do it four different ways with these different types of housing. And he says he doesn't know where the money's coming from yet. He's going to ballpark that it's going to cost about $40 million. Mm. Ballpark it. Uh, he, <laughs> maybe federal or state grants. 
And anybody that's ever worked in this space, you know, uh, money goes goes well with this issue. Money goes quick. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, you can ballpark it all you want, but uh, what the end cost is going to be is we'll see a real unknown. Paul, you mentioned that he his plan was looking at these four kinds of housing, existing units like things that have already been built that could become affordable housing, converted hotel rooms, micro communities like safe outdoor spaces, and converting commercial buildings. Which again, we have talked about all these things. I think it, mm-hmm. in the in a ideal world, yes. But I think you're right, Paul. It all comes down to money. Yeah. Where is it going to come from? I mean, yeah. <sighs> it's okay. hard. It's a hard problem. Yeah. Well, and I think just one thing in all this, uh, COVID is such a huge economic shock. And you had this eviction moratorium and you had all these federal funds to sort of uh, address these issues that sort of uh, had to stop um, because the the pandemic you know ended and that's that now we sort of have to pick up the pieces of this huge shock that we all experienced all at once and start building for the future and but but there's a lot of like there was a lot of funds that were just thrown at the pandemic that now we have to find someplace else and justify in different ways and find new sources. I mean, how, how ironic today the news breaks that the Aloft Hotel downtown that was used thanks to federal pandemic emergency aid oh, no. to house people experiencing homelessness, it is just reopening now as a hotel again. Oh, wow. Which again, what this bad is, timing. And yeah. also we've been seeing this happen over and over again. I feel like it was the gathering place or the Dolores Project. I think it was the gathering place had had a similar situation with another hotel. And uh, Denver I did this great piece talking to the folks that lived there who were all of a sudden told, okay, like 60 days or something, you're not going to live here anymore. Right. And I think what those of us, I've never been evicted, so I cannot speak to what that feels like. But I think there's just such an underlying trauma to being told where you live that is secure is all of a sudden not yours. Scrambling to find something. I have talked about it on this show, trying to find an apartment right now or a house for rent is unbelievably difficult. So there's that fear. And then you also have to like deal with your mental health stuff and maybe you're caretaking someone else. Maybe you have to go to work. Like these are all these things that are underlying the housing stuff that we don't talk about when we just point at people and go, you're un- unhoused, get your stuff together. Absolutely. Homelessness is a context and yeah. housing is justice. And that's sort of how we, these are humans and they can contribute to Denver in beautiful ways. Uh, as a person that experiences mental illness, as a, as a person that has is, is, is seen people that I respect and trust, you know, in the Marine Corps, just yeah, uh, sort of fall down and people that were strong, that's that's the hardest part about this there and so for me i just at the end of the day people experiencing homelessness are people you know that's why you say that phrase that way it, and we have to remember that uh, they're community members too absolutely they're neighbors too denverites yeah well we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back wins and fails and we're back we're going to do wins and fails now. Who ruled this week in the mm. mile high and who totally <laughs> sucked? Uh, let's start with fails because it's always nice to end on a nice note. So let's start with the bad. Paul. Okay. Um, so Suncor uh, is a persistent fail, just a constant perchetual fail for a hundred years. <laughs> in they North keep Denver. failing things and then covering things up and with then the... pretending they weren't doing something. And all they're doing is um, polluting yeah. neighborhood toxic emissions and such yeah 
don't ask too many questions. Um, but there was, you know, I, there was um, some hope, uh, especially in the last few years. I think the community's been organizing a lot. There's this organization that sprung up, Cultivando, doing some really cool work with advocacy, organizing on the north side um, for people in these neighborhoods. They got a huge grant from the EPA to do air monitoring last year. This is going to be awesome. like the first air monitoring done Sick. outside of the EPA, which a lot of people are suspicious of. Um <laughs> Although I, I have a decent respect for and uh, Suncor itself, which is famously secretive. So Cultivando was going to do this air monitoring. Here we are halfway through the year. Denver North Star reports Cultivando has returned that huge grant to the EPA because uh, the head of the organization says that it came with a, quote, ridiculous amount of paperwork, administrative efforts and unnecessary bidding requirements. Uh, she says that uh, due to these burdens, the small group had already exceeded their allotment of grant funds, making their further efforts too difficult. Wow. So that's my fail. wild that like there's a group trying to do better in the world and they're like drowning in paper, drowning in red tape right. and paperwork and like places like organizations like Cultivando are run by like skeletal teams, small teams of people, often they're women, often they're moms. I've met these people. They're doing incredible work. It's like GES coalition. These are like full-time working moms who are also trying to make their community better. And then it's like we dump a bunch of paperwork on them to make it impossible to change the the place that they live. And it's heartbreaking. You it's know? disgusting. Yeah. yeah. I was looking forward to seeing that data. I thought that was going to be really interesting and helpful for yeah. me well, to understand the situation better. And now we're just not going to have it. No, because – because the world doesn't, the people in power don't want that to happen, I guess. God, so that's it, my fail. But Suncor can just keep piping out toxic shit. Yeah, okay. I have a cough today and I blame them. <laughs> you know, so. Um, <laughs> anyway, one of you two can go. Josh, do you have a fail? Yeah, uh, I found about this one just recently. Uh, sweet corn has worms in it. and the Sweet corn has worms in it? I know, and it's affecting the <laughs> harvest. And as a native, you know, corn matters, and it hurt. I don't, I, what, what are these worms got against indigenous rights? I, I don't, sweet corn is delicious. Even Nobody, the worms are organizing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, well, uh, worms are colonists, uh, <laughs> colonizers. Uh, that is a bummer, though. I yeah. mean, let's be real. I, it is a, it's I'm a bummer. A, I'm a corn fanatic. It's probably a, a serious bummer for the farmers who are not going to be able to sell all their... 40% of the crop. 40% of the crop here wow. from producer Olivia. Oh, I'm sorry about that. That's Thanks. a bummer. I appreciate it. I love that. sweet corn. I love it in the summer. I love to grill it. My Same. kid eats yeah, it raw because he's insane. Yeah, I love matzah, you know, I love tamales, I love oh, all of that, like, it's delicious, and so. Hmm. Tamales are the most labor-intensive thing I've ever seen humans oh, make. Oh, it's the best, though. It, oh. it, but they, it, it, it's worth it. It's love. Oh, my God. It's I, love. They're just giving you love. Yeah, They're selling you the love thing. It's like, in the That's what I'm saying. When you, you know? eat a tamale, you have to realize what someone did to make that thing. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Or well, what they didn't do, as in the case of my... <laughs> My in-laws last Christmas, which was wash their hands, and everybody got sick. <laughs> they didn't wash their hands for tamales. Dang, you're putting Megan's family else on front happened. street. That's, All right, just saying, someone knows something, I, and that's uh, awful. Man. Someone's still thinking about it. Sorry, Megan. Jeez. Jeez. Okay. Uh, what's your fail, Brie? So there's this building on Eighth and Calumet. It's bright green. You've probably seen it. Bright, mm. like highlighter green. It's a, it says Metro State University or whatever their oh, yeah. thing is. Mm -hmm. And it's a music studio. And hmm. 
learning space for recording and uh, producing live show. It has a stage in it. It has oh, wow. uh, practice spaces. I've been into this space. It's it's an incredible space. Um, in 2018, I think, let's see, no one's made it before that. It was a while ago, Metro bought the building and they partnered with this Detroit-based music school to turn it into this music center. And then it like barely got used. Huh. And then the pandemic hit and they've been basically trying to offload it forever. So now it's on the market for $4.2 million, which will probably get knocked down and something Oof. more dense will get built there. And I'm not here to start the anti-density fight. My, my, my grumble is this beautiful studio has been sitting here in the middle of a neighborhood where there are artists huh. everywhere that we couldn't turn it into some sort of community space. Right. Like, I've never heard of it. Like I know, exactly. Like Auraria hasn't gone through enough of a change, you know? I know. <laughs> and like, right. And it's also, it's in the West Side too. Like, let's yeah. be honest, what's mm. happened in that neighborhood. But but beyond that, it's a perfectly functional space that exists right now. And also, I think Metro just made a big bad decision by bringing someone from the outside in to put that in when we have a perfectly good music business program i think cu denver has i think this is my i think my husband has a degree in music business from cu denver but there's Hell plenty of a program <laughs> there's plenty of people in this city that could have done amazing things in there and i just think about all the yeah. bands that could have practiced there uh -huh. all the kids that could have learned all the things that they do at youth on record like could we expand that what? Instead, had it's you just, heard of this place before? Oh, I knew it was on. I knew it had been empty. I'd been talking. I've actually talked to some folks at, you know, my homie at Youth on Record, Jamie Duffy. Right, of course. I think that they even tried to acquire it. And it was like too expensive, or it was too cumbersome to try to deal Curious. with it. But it's like right That's in the story. neighborhood. Something's happening there. It just bummed me out because I was like, you poured millions of dollars into making this a state of the art recording studio, and it's just sitting there, empty, and there's there's kids all around that could be practicing there. Weird. So that was my, that's my bummer. Well, hopefully somebody hears this. You know what I mean? I, I, Someone I think that, cool buy it right. and turn it into. <laughs> we need more cool rich people, you know? Yeah, yeah. that <laughs> will let artists do whatever they want in there, uh, especially young people. So at any rate. South Park guys, hear our please. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just Cosmo thinking about. East. It's yeah. green. I'm thinking about a space like D3 Arts in Westwood. That's what they do there. They right. create a space for young people to. Um, have art shows. I mean, not even just young people, actually. I don't want to mischaracterize it. It's people of Anyone. all ages are yeah. doing amazing stuff. This could be a D3 for the La Alma Lincoln Park neighborhood. Like, it's so cool. So, hmm. I don't know. If somebody cool wants to buy it and give it to some artists, yeah, I Mark would Ruffalo. be fully in favor of that. Uh, okay, so let's get to wins. Um, Paul, do you have a win? Okay, so my win comes with a disclaimer that I am not uh, financial advisor, don't take my advice for, on any investments. <laughs> don't take anybody's advice on investments. The market is stupid. I agree with it's that. It's animal spirits. I, know, I was like, I take yours though over Paul's because you have a degree in economics, Joshua. <laughs> but go on. Well, go on. This Paul. might be interesting actually now. <laughs> um, but so there's a uh, a new Greenwood Village based financial management firm, Jolf's Financial Group. I know, snooze. <laughs> but they're doing something that I think is actually kind of cool which is they're launching a portfolio of companies all based in Colorado that they've picked for a variety of reasons, like from different industries, different like state life like states in there. Some are earlier, some are younger, some are more established. Um, and they're, they're pitching this as a, 
a local pride investment opportunity to the public. And they've made it so it's pretty accessible for, well, this isn't gonna sound accessible, but um, the minimum investment is $1,000. Okay. So for for index funds, you know, that's that's pretty That's pretty something easy. that like, you know, a regular person who maybe the money at GameStop a couple of summers ago <laughs> might be interested in and they're talking saying talking about meme stonk? <laughs> meme stonk, exactly. <laughs> stonks. <laughs> what I'm saying is is Colorado the next meme stonk here, you know? That's my that's my take. You know, we could invest in this portfolio. I, love I think it. that's kind of cool. No, yeah. I think that's cool because we don't often talk about the accessibility of investments beyond just try to buy a house. Like, right? Like that's not, it's yeah. not even reasonable anymore. Yeah. I think we should get some city cast listeners, you know, let's all pull our money together. Let's buy a couple of these and fully invest in the, the Colorado community. You I know? love I it. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Right. It'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Let's get $2,000 together. Get two, two shares. I think we could do that. I, I, I do generally agree with you that it's animal spirits running the markets, but I yeah. there I looked up there is some connection between um, the stock market, like the price and, of a stock rising and falling, in and the mercury? health of a company, no. <laughs> and mercury. mercury being in retrograde. <laughs> but it, I it, am sad. It would help these companies. It would be like a way of investing in our community. That's the idea. Anyway, it's cool. I love it. Someone else, someone else, do a win. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm a daily traveler uh, on RTD for all its good and its bad, and it's been cool to actually see the free months. One, it's nice that. That is free, and I have a little bit more money yeah. to buy, you know, chicken nuggets. Um, <laughs> which is the amount of chicken nuggets I've had this month is more than usual. Anyway, what's your number? Uh, uh, Fifty-eight, you know, and spread over two days. But you know, we don't have to. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're, this is really about RTD. Yeah. yeah, is that is that what we're? Yeah, we're yeah. Winning? So our, our RTD, they they've announced that they are. Um, uh, cutting fares, so the monthly pass is going from two hundred dollars to eighty eight dollars. I and love this. That's uh, I think that's it helps. Um, it helps try to do so many positive things for the community. I think a community with a strong public transit uh, is is a healthy community, and public transit that that like you have to use it to for it to be justified type thing. And yeah. so the more you use it, the the better it is. It's weird how that works, and so I like this. I do too. I'm glad you brought that up because we didn't really talk about it. But the fare drops, um, this was a RTD board decision. They decided to cut fares. Mm-hmm. $200 down to $88, that's pretty significant. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's what we need in the min- at the very minimum, it's what we need. So I, I hate to say this because I didn't intend to bring this up. I thought we were going to save this, but I do have... Uh, I thought about oh, yeah. the Paul RTD fairy about this. this is maybe one of my conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, Go this for is it. a conspiracy I love theory this. for sure. But every person I know who is actually riding RTD regularly over the last few years, since probably since about the pandemic started, and I'm not talking about the free months because that's a lot of people coming on and they're not paying, mm. but the usual, the regular riders say, no one's checking my ticket. Mm. No one's verifying that I paid. Sometimes I just ride for free anyway. So I think that this historic fare decrease might actually also come with an increase in enforcement and that more people might end up paying more. I that That's interesting. I do think that the perception of it being cheaper means more people are going to ride it regardless, I, I even, so. even if the enforcement is more. Uh, I, yeah. I hope so. I really hope but so. But to enforce it, you have to have staff. Isn't that part of the problem? I think that was part of the problem. They've been so they're gonna dealing with staffing issues. Fairs, so they're not going to have more money to hire more staff. 
I don't know. I, I guess I guess it's really. Uh, I'm curious to see if the, like the revenue stream is changing. Maybe they're applying for different grants um, uh, over this, as opposed to really trying to externalize it to the writers. Um, I, I think. I think, and you'll see this. The most successful uh, public transit programs are ones that are more seen as a public utility instead of just sort of being in the black naturally. Um, it's really hard to make a public transit system uh, work. Uh, but just Be to profitable. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. No, I feel you. I think uh, I just saw some kids just like skip and hop right onto the bus the other day. And I thought, man, this has got to be a lot easier for bus drivers, too. Yeah. They don't have to like screw around with someone Better. finding hey. their ticket. Hey. Yeah. Just like <laughs> yeah. get on, get off. How the bus <laughs> kind of reminds me of the ball ride. Yeah. Um, my win is for Denver Parks and Rec. Ooh. I feel like hey, we should, nice. I think we talk too much smack about them sometimes. And although it did take me nine months to get into swimming lessons uh-huh. through Denver Parks and Rec, <laughs> I call it the, <laughs> most very ex- competitive. the most exclusive club in Denver, Denver Parks and Rec. I finally got my son into sw- uh, swimming lessons for the six months to three years old group. And we've been going to Ashland Rec Center, which is behind North High School, for the last like three or four weeks. It's been awesome. The pool is awesome. It's an indoor pool, but it has a slide. It's got mm. a it's got a little kids area. And the staff is so nice. Our swim teacher, Jude, third generation Northsider. You know, I had Ooh. to get all that information out of her. Love her. <laughs> she's great. But she's like, I'm not going anywhere. I love this neighborhood. She's worked there for 19 years since they opened that one. Wow. That's beautiful. She's been teaching swim lessons there. And it just like it just makes me feel so good to be a Denverite when I get to utilize our services and meet the people behind them. And like, I, you know, I've always been given love to 20th street gym, my old boxing coach, Mo and I, I Lewis at the desk. I love you guys. Hall of fame, hall of famers, hundred <laughs> percent. But like I, part of the reason I love going to 20th street was the people. So getting to go to this new rec center that I'd never been to Ashland, it's been awesome. So just shout out to parks and rec. You also have really incredible people working for you and I don't think they get enough credit. So that's beautiful. That's love great. It. Thank you. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. Thanks. I love all the people I've ever encountered working for Parks and Rec. And if you've never looked at the programming no at Denver Parks and Rec, they have right. so many cool programs. They have adaptive sports. They have adaptive swimming. They have adaptive art classes for folks with disabilities. They have things for seniors to do. They have things for kids, teens. Like it's really, really awesome what Denver Parks and Rec does for Denver across the board. Check out your board. local rec center. Please do. Uh, yeah, please. Check out your local rec center. Let us know. Give us a give us a call on the on my favorite rec center hotline, 720-500-5418. Tell us what your favorite rec center is, why you go there, and who you want to shout out there. It's yeah. probably going to be Carla, I think, right? Carla Madison? Yeah. Absolutely. Also, that one's beautiful. That was a state-of-the-art. Beautiful rec center. So... We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, our CityCast official maybe for your weekend. What's up, weather fam? Rain or shine, I'm Andy Stein here with your CityCast Denver weather forecast for this weekend. Another hot forecast in the book. So if you uh, are looking to get outside and cool off, maybe take a listen to yesterday's podcast about Denver's best ice cream around town. I have a few of my favorites uh, that I always go to, but uh, check out the podcast. There's a lot of good options in there. And you're going to want some options because no matter where you are around the Front Range, it's going to be a pretty warm weekend. 
Maybe not as hot as what we had earlier this week when temperatures were in the upper 90s, but you know, even knocking a few degrees off of that for Saturday and Sunday with high temperatures in the low to mid 90s, I'm thinking 93, 94, it's gonna feel a little bit better. The afternoon cloud cover and afternoon storm chances are gonna help cool us off just a little bit more each afternoon as well. We're not talking about widespread severe weather or widespread rain chances, but a continuation of the afternoon storms looks likely into this weekend and even some cooler and maybe slightly stormier weather working its way in for the beginning and middle of next week. Y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy. And we're back. Uh, we're all here, including our newsletter editor, Peyton Garcia. Hi, Pay. Hey, everyone. So you've got our CityCast Denver official maybe for your weekend is in. Maybe you'll see us there because as usual, there's so many cool things happening in Denver this weekend, but there's only one where you might see us. So Pay, what did you round up for us this week? First, I want to give a little plug to the Underground Music Showcase. I am not putting that oh, as one not. of our official events oh. because it seemed like it was too big of a contender. But I just I want to give a shout out. tickets are still available. They are. They are. They I'll are. I'll be there. I feel like that was going to be too easy. People were mm. going to be there. So just a shout out. It's That's in the mix your... as far as I'm concerned. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> for good I mean, I don't go to it because I'm... I'm I'm an 80 year old yeah. when it comes to music. Taste, <laughs> Can I just but... give a quick, quick shout? My my husband Greg and his best friend Thad run a management company called Unit E, and they are throwing a official UMS party. So I don't what? know when or where it is. I should. <laughs> There's a lot of great artists playing it as yeah, well. I think Wes Watkins. Yeah. Well, if we figure it out, maybe we could put it in the. We'll put it in. We'll put in a link in UMS or something. Okay. But, okay. No yeah. UMS. All right. All right. So <laughs> first option, the Colorado. Veg Fest, I think it's pronounced Veg Fest, uh, but it's a vegan festival, so I guess it could be Veg Fest, which doesn't sound as good. I think it's Veg Veg Fest. Um, so it's celebrating all things um, vegan and animal welfare, environmental concerns. Um, there's going to be vendors there, educational booths, and of course, lots of food and drink to check out. Tickets are seventeen dollars for a day pass. And $30 for a weekend pass. It's a two-day festival happening at the uh, Tivoli Quad. The Tivoli Quad Thank on the you. metro Tivoli. Yeah. campus. Tivoli. Okay. Tivoli Quad. Um, yeah, veganism is not my thing. But <laughs> <laughs> Paul? I, 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 as longtime listeners know, my relationship with meat is changing. <laughs> I no longer say I'm a vegetarian. Oh. oh. What? I think we've, t I mean. I mean, we're not talking about eating it. pork. Most right? people don't Noobs. care, and I can prove it. I just pulled up the data. I knew we were going to talk about this. Americans who identify as vegetarian or vegan uh, make up 6% of the population. Wow. wow. Most people just don't care. That's crazy. That's hmm. as many as Native Americans are in the United States. It's six percent of the population. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I thought, what a weird coincidence. Yeah, you know? weird. <laughs> I also think that there's probably a lot of people like, like you are, Paul, and yeah, like I am, which is like in the gray area. Yeah, where I don't, we don't eat a ton of meat, but we don't but consider I'll, ourselves. But I'll also vegetarian. say that, that, like this festival, it's not just about eating meat or not eating meat. It's all about like the celebration of plant based living and sustainability. So it's it's more than just um, food. It's you know, if you're interested in getting more involved in that green kind of lifestyle, I'd be worth that. checking yeah. out. Some, yeah. Get some good ideas. Colorado Veg Fest sounds like a festival celebrating naps, and that gets me excited, you know, so. Oh, yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. Like veg out? Do a little yeah. nosh, do a little nap. A little nosh, a little nap. Veg yeah, out absolutely. in front of the TV. Right. later, you know. <laughs> I think we're maybe brainstorming a competitive, or a competing, <laughs> a competing uh, 
festival. festival. Okay. All right. Moving on. Saturday at 6 p.m., um, the Tattered Cover on West Colfax is hosting City Silhouettes, which is a local writer and artist showcase. So there's going to be um, local artists there who are showing their work. So go support them. And also a good excuse to browse the Tattered Cover. Who do we got? Who's on the Who's on the lineup? Who's on the um, marquee? Amanda E.K., Rafael Rodriguez, Johanna Godinez, John Flatham, Brianna Janae, Jay Hasley, the poet Q, and Jessica Marie. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Go check I out. I still what don't know doing. how I feel about the tattered cover. To be honest, mm. kind of in my tattered cover hangover after the. Uh, I just the drama. think about the employees. Yes, that's who <laughs> I care about, really. Yeah, yeah. And they got that new CEO. It's a whole new. Anyway, that's an issue for another day. Okay. Um, Avery Brewing is having their 30th anniversary party this weekend in Boulder. Um, The tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, that's out. Boulder, no thanks. It's like super South Boulder. If you've never been to their brewery, though, they have such an incredible campus. It's really really cool. It's a really big space. A lot of... um, a big green lawn. It's a really cool space. Um, tickets are $93, which is kind wow. of pricey. But you must get some beer. They're going to yeah, have special stuff. stuff. They're going to yeah. have yeah. The, the people. This is going to be a good vibe. 30th exactly. anniversary. That's cool. It's a celebration. Yeah, yeah and well, there will be music and food trucks say. and yeah. um, unlimited beer tasting. So lots of good stuff. Because it looks like they're having a bunch of um, other brewers come and 30 years and is a stuff. lot. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, shout out Jimmy jimmy carter but you know like 30 years is like right at the beginning of the craft brew you know yeah. uh, renaissance yeah and they're still great I, I love i regularly will buy avery that's like a six pack in the rotation for me of the ones that are in the grocery store awesome yeah all right and our last event is a twofer um the aurora history museum is hosting a chef speaker series uh this summer and there's only three events left in the series and there's one on saturday sunday and monday um so this one you know you kind of have options with this Mm -hmm. one but they have one happening at 11 a.m on saturday and one at 10 a.m on sunday and the chefs that they're featuring are um miss park and mr kim from a Korean barbecue place whose name I'm gonna butcher, but it's Shin Myungguan. Does that? We'll your... put a link in the show. I, yeah, I'll put yeah. a link. Yeah. I'm not familiar with the Korean language. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it, they're they're doing um, the Saturday series or um, talk, and then the Sunday one is a Venezuelan chef named Gaston, Chef Gaston, Gaston. and um, after so you get to kind of hear about their story and their their cuisine and how they they got here and how they came to America and started what they started um, and then there's usually something after so you get to learn how to make something a fruit platter or some Korean dish hmm. but that's free I, I love that this extremely I cool. love this series I don't know who came up with it but it's genius because yeah. we we know like Aurora is really kind of a culinary destination um, especially for food from around the world. It's like one of the most diverse places and it might be the most diverse city in our state. Yeah. And often you don't get to hear the stories of these, she- you know what I mean? We hear all these, we we read profiles of celebrated chefs and um, these like globally known chefs, but getting to know the chefs in the community, I think that's just such a cool thing. And I think it always endears me more to that restaurant mm-hmm. than like I love to go even more because I know I heard who these i've heard these people's story yeah and it's so cool that it's that it's free yeah that the whole public's welcome it's i don't know it's just very like aurora history museums yeah it's an interesting organization programming 
it's like a really cool way to celebrate the community. I love it. And to engage with it, you know, delicious, mm-hmm. it's delicious. Yeah, meet the yeah. people that make awesome food. Yeah. yeah. That's know, four that's... very good options. I am a genuine temptation in Boulder with Avery Brewing. Mm. I'm really on that chef speaker series, honestly. Me as well. I think I, I just, just I, I, being able to eat and then just yeah, the storytelling aspect of it. Just so that, cool. And the, the you see the emotion that people put into this stuff and yeah. get to eat it. Like it's that to me that's really beautiful. I think that's hard to beat. Yeah, personally. Uh, but also I'm untitled. You. you know, <laughs> uh, six to ten p.m. on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to that and then. Yeah. You can go to on this, this uh, chef series on Saturday and Sunday. I'm game. I'm game. That one sounds great. Let's do it. Chef series. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, there you have it. That's the CityCast Denver official, maybe for your weekend. But there's way more where that came from. Pay's got, I should really use your full name. I'm sure your mother listens to this and is like, why does she not call her by the name I gave her? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel when people give my son a nickname. Uh, Payton's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver. You can subscribe right now by texting Denver to 66866. Thanks, Peyton. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Joshua, Paul, thanks mm. for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, this is fun. See you next week. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli and Olivia Jewell-Love. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, and I'm your host, Free Davies. Our music is by Los Mogachetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe and rate five stars wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at CityCast Denver and tell a friend about us next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you later. I just got this line from the MC, this MC Paul Barman song where he says, I'll smooch on your pooper hole all through the Super Bowl.